Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. It's like something out of a horror movie. A man hears his fiancée screams as she's abducted from a phone booth, and then he passes her abductor on the road and hears her calling out his name for help. It's one of the most disturbing abduction cases in Midwestern history. Angela Hammond, a young expectant mother, was on a call with her fiancé Rob late one night, using a phone booth, when she told Rob that an unidentified truck was circling the payphone area. She described the unidentified man driving and said he was bearded and filthy. As he drove up to the payphones, he pulled out a flashlight and appeared to be looking for something. And then, a few moments later, Rob heard screams and listened to his fiancée being abducted in real time. That evening, Rob would later come within mere seconds of saving Angela's life, but was tragically unable to. This case is one of the most haunting mysteries to date and remains unsolved. But some recent evidence, specifically a ransom-style note with cut-and-paste letters, could possibly break this decades-old case wide open. You're listening to Avery After Dark, and I'm your host, Avery Ross. For all of you who enjoy this podcast, make sure you subscribe and follow wherever you listen, and make sure to leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to support the show and get all your episodes ad-free, join the Patreon. Linking that below in the show notes. Thank you so much for your continued support. And now, today's case. This is the unsolved abduction of Angela Hammond. Angela Marie Hammond, family and friends called her Angie, was born on February 9, 1971, to parents Marsha and Chris Hammond. In the first few years of Angela's life, The family lived in Kansas City and relocated to Clinton, Missouri, so they could be closer to Angela's grandparents who lived there. Clinton, Missouri is a very small, very quiet farming town, smack dab in the middle of the heart of America. Clinton is thought to be a very peaceful place and is away from the big city rush. The Hammonds later had a son named Lauren, so Angela had a little brother. And by all accounts, the family was very close, very loving. Later on, Angela's parents did split up, but the family remained close. Friends described Angela as so much fun. They said she was smart, energetic, bubbly. Angela Hammond knew how to enjoy life. And she loved living in Clinton. This was a community where people were friendly. It was a small town and Angela enjoyed her life there. When Angela was 19 in 1990, she met a young man named Rob Schaefer. Rob was a star athlete in Clinton, very sporty, and when the two met, they just clicked and began dating. Rob was her age and had aspirations to join the military, and they quickly fell in love. In January 1991, there was some unexpected but amazing news. Angela told Rob that she was expecting, 
she was pregnant with their first child. For Rob, this was great. He was apparently over the moon with excitement to start their family. So much so that he decided to propose to Angela and make it official. He bought her a diamond ring, asked Angela to marry him, promising to her he would always take care of her. Angela said yes, and the two were engaged. After this, they moved in together into a small trailer home. Rob continued his plans of joining the military later in the year after Angela had the baby. And in the meantime, Angela was working as a local bank clerk and attending college classes at Central Missouri State University. So this was a very exciting time for the two. Looking forward to building their family together and their careers, just at the beginning of their lives, really. Angela and Rob were described as a very cute couple. They were both very family-oriented and just seemed to have a lot in common. On the evening of April 4th, 1991, then 20-year-old Angela and Rob were attending a barbecue at Angela's mom's house. A very fun, normal evening for the group. They sat around, had dinner, talked. I'm sure future wedding and baby plans were discussed. It was just the most normal evening for the couple. Just another average night in their sleepy, small Midwestern town. Clinton, Missouri was the type of place where people didn't fear letting their kids run around freely. It was safe, or so they thought. Most people knew each other in some way, and Rob and Angela's evening was like any other, until it wasn't. Shortly after 9 p.m., Angela and Rob left their family's dinner, the barbecue gathering. Rob had agreed to go babysit his younger brother, Justin, so the couple left and Angela dropped Rob off at his parents' house so he could watch his brother for a bit. Rob's plan was to stay there until his parents returned home later. And instead of accompanying him, Angela had plans to meet up with a friend named Kyler for a bit. So Rob and Angela agreed they would go their separate ways for a bit and then meet up later in Clinton after Rob was finished watching his brother. Angela said she would call him in a few hours. So Angela heads off, meets up and hangs out with her friend Kyler for a few hours. And then around 11.15 p.m., the friends ended their night and parted ways for the evening. After this, Angela drove her car to the closest payphone in the center of town to call Rob as she promised. Keep in mind, these were the days before cell phones, so instead of driving all the way to Rob's house to let him know or driving home, Angela decided to pull off at a payphone. This certain payphone that Angela pulled up near was on the corner of 210 South 2nd Street, right next to a local supermarket parking lot at the time. So Angela parks her car, hops out, notices there aren't many people around, so it's very quiet. Not so unusual for Clinton at this time of night. She gets to the phone booth and dials up Rob and tells him that she's actually too tired to meet up in Clinton like they had talked about earlier. She tells him that she really just wants to go home at this point, get in the bath and relax. She is pregnant and the two had been out all evening, so she's informing Rob that she's ready to just go home and call it a night. The two continue to talk on the phone for a while, actually, about 30 minutes, when suddenly, Angela says she notices something strange. She says there's a conspicuous man in an older, two-toned, green Ford F-150 model pickup truck that was circling the block. Angela's standing at the phone booth and watching as a strange truck is circling back up and down the street several times. It was late, it was dark, and Angela was out there alone, so she took notice. 
this is where the call takes a very disturbing turn. Angela then begins to tell Rob that the man in the truck was pulling up to the payphone, then getting out of the truck, then walking towards the unoccupied phone booth directly next to Angela. She watches him use the phone booth next to her, then walk back and get back into his truck. And all of this she is describing to Rob as he listens on the other end of the line. And Angela is extremely detailed. She said the man was, quote, filthy and bearded, end quote. He had a mustache. She said he was wearing coveralls, wore glasses, and had a dark-colored baseball hat on. As she's watching him, Angela is getting increasingly more alarmed by the minute. She then tells Rob that the man was back at his truck and had taken out a flashlight and started pointing it around. It was almost like he was looking for something. Angela is understandably really scared at this point. So, to break the silence, Angela called out to the man and asked him if he needed to use the phone. Perhaps the other one was broken. The unidentified man said no. He was going to try again in a minute. Angela and Rob continued talking for another minute or so, and then Rob heard a blood-curdling scream come from the other end of the line. He hears Angela yelling, his fiancé was being kidnapped, and he was hearing it happen in real time. Instantly, Rob bolted to his car and sped to Angela. He was only about seven blocks down the road, so not far from where the payphones were located, and he knew exactly where Angela had been calling from. So he's flying down the road when he looks up and sees in the dark night a truck that matched the description Angela gave speeding down the road driving the opposite way. This green, older model Ford truck was quickly speeding past him in the other direction. And from inside the truck, Rob heard Angela scream from him inside, yelling for him. She called out, Robbie. At this point, Rob slammed the car into reverse, makes a U-turn, and begins to chase this truck through downtown Clinton. He is so close. He's going to save Angela. He is right on the truck's tail. And then... After only about two miles, as Rob was attempting to make a right turn, his car transmission failed and his car stalled. Rob didn't realize that when he threw his car into reverse minutes before, the transmission was severely damaged. And Rob watched as the truck with Angela inside sped down the road until it was out of sight. Angela, his pregnant fiance, was gone and her vile abductor had gotten away and Rob listened and watched nearly the entire thing. To be so close to saving her life and then watch it slip away, can you imagine the devastation? So Rob, then without any other option, began trying to make his way back to town to get help, and he comes across a motorist who offers him a ride. Rob asks his driver to take him directly to the Clinton police station, and he did. Rob gets there and he's frantic. He's telling authorities everything from start to finish. How Angela had described her abductor, filthy, bearded, and Angela's description of the car, the green Ford F-150 with a white top, older model, late 60s, early 70s. With some damage to the left side front fender and on the rear window, Angela mentioned she saw a mural of a fish jumping out of water. If you're sitting there astounded at the amount of detail Angela gave, you're not alone. I'm pretty blown away. Angela, in those fearful moments, was so smart to describe really everything she could see. 
And this enabled Rob to give police a very detailed description of her abductor and everything she could see about him. The saying the devil is in the details is very accurate. Every single little thing in a case like this matters, no matter how small. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Rob tells police everything, every single detail Angela had told him about her abductor in those moments before, everything that she could see. From him being bearded with a mustache to exactly what kind of clothes the man was wearing. So at this point, police had all this information, everything really except for his license plate number, so they go to work and authorities begin the search for Angela Hammond. They alerted Angela's parents and family who were distraught and everyone in Clinton began the search for Angela. In a town like that where everyone knew each other, there was no crime really, this shook everyone. And for it to be Angela, someone so beloved, young, full of life, it was heartbreaking for their small community, and more than 250 volunteers conducted an air and ground search for her. They looked everywhere, in fields, rivers, old barns, abandoned buildings. One big advantage of Angela's detailed description was police were able to make a detailed sketch to distribute to the public. A sketch artist took all the details and drew up a composite sketch of Angela's abductor, Rob, Angela's family, hoping that this would be a major break in identifying him and finding Angela. But when the sketch is released, Rob's appalled and confused because the sketch didn't look anything like the man that Angela had described to him, nor even close to the description that he had given police. And I'm not talking, oh, the face shape is off a bit. No, in the sketch, the suspect has no glasses, no beard, no mustache. It reflected none of the details Angela described. Rob told police that this sketch was not accurate at all. This looks nothing like what Angela had told him, but police didn't change or make any alterations and released this sketch to the public. So why? Why would police do this? Release an inaccurate sketch of the abductor? That makes no sense. Well, it does if you see it from a different angle, because initially in the investigation, police were the most suspicious of Rob himself. To them, the entire story of his fiance, who recently told him that she was pregnant to be abducted from a phone booth at night, apparently was questionable for them. It seemed planned to authorities. So really for that very first week that Angela was missing, Rob Schaefer, her fiance was the main suspect. Police were spending a lot of time questioning him. And this was an absurd theory to Angela's family as they had known Rob for years and knew that he would never do anything to hurt Angela. He loved her. And eventually he was ruled out as he took a polygraph and passed. 
Two witnesses also came forward and confirmed that they too saw a truck matching that description in the area that Angela was abducted from around 11.30 to 11.45 p.m. that evening. These two separate witnesses said the same exact thing as Angela. The truck was circling the area that Angela was in. And police also discovered Rob's car in the middle of the road, undrivable and stalled, just as he described. And they also found Angela's car in that parking lot near the payphone with her purse inside. So every single detail of Rob's account added up. Police started speaking with friends and family of Angela's, asking if she had any enemies, anyone that would target her. They zone in on an ex-boyfriend named Bill Barker for a bit, but didn't really find any reason to connect him to Angela's abduction, and he was eventually ruled out as well. Clinton, as a town, was adamant in their efforts to find Angela, as there were missing posters everywhere for her. In every diner, shop, storefront window, there was Angela's face. Her missing posters were plastered everywhere. You walked down the street, and her face was on every lamppost. Eleven days after Angela's disappearance and still no trace of her, Clinton police enlisted the help of the Missouri Rural Crime Scene Squad. 25 more officers jumped on the case and the search continued. But let's get to one of the most vital clues that police had, the truck. The Missouri Highway Patrol looked through their database of registered vehicles matching the two-tone green F-150 that Angela described. From this, they compiled a list of around 1,600 pickup trucks that could be matches. But all of these leads were searched and all of them were dead ends, according to officials. At this point, authorities don't have much. So police began looking into other disappearances that were similar in Missouri, in the Midwest, that could be linked to Angela's case. Another disappearance that police found with similarities was one that happened in Max Creek, Missouri, three months prior to Angela's disappearance. On January 19, 1991, 42-year-old Trudy Darby was working the night shift by herself at a local convenience store. At around 10 p.m. that night, as she was getting ready to close the store, she noticed a suspicious man lingering outside the store with no apparent reason to be there. She was alarmed and called up her son, requesting that he come up and help her close up the store. He agreed and made the 10-minute drive to his mom's work, but by the time he got there, his mom was gone. She had disappeared and police feared that unidentified man outside the store was involved. Police, family, and friends began the search for Trudy, but two days later, her body was discovered 10 miles away in a riverbank. She had been fatally shot twice in the head. Trudy's killers were eventually later caught and convicted and were looked at in Angela's case, but police claimed they couldn't find any definitive evidence to link them and Angela's case. So, another dead end. There was another similar case just a couple months before Angela's in Nevada, Missouri. On February 27, 1991, a 30-year-old woman named Cheryl Ann Kenny, a wife and a mother, was working at a convenience store in her small town, which was about 70 miles from where Trudy's body was discovered. That night at 10 p.m., time card shows that Cheryl clocked out, closed up the store, set the alarm and was making her way to her car when she vanished. She has never been seen or heard from again. 
So were Cheryl Ann and Angela's cases connected in some way? Many detectives believe so. We'll be right back. You're back with Avery After Dark. Another well-known unsolved case in Missouri that many draw comparisons to, one that took place just a year after Angela's abduction, is the Springfield Three. I've covered that case here on the podcast and on YouTube, TikTok. The Springfield Three refers to the unsolved case of teens Susie Streeter, Stacy McCall, and 47-year-old Cheryl Levitt, Susie's mother. The three went missing from their Springfield, Missouri home in the middle of the night. There were no signs of a struggle in their case, no clue to where the women went other than a broken porch light. There is so much mystery surrounding the Springfield Three case. In Clinton, Missouri, where Angela was abducted, in Springfield, Missouri, where the Springfield Three went missing, are only about an hour and a half apart. So, not far. Both cases, women were targeted late at night, Similar ages, Angela was 20, and in the Springfield case, the two girls had just graduated high school. So, are they connected? There are some similarities, but is there something more there? In October 1991, six months after Angela was abducted, a man named Russell Smith went to police and said he had seen Angela. Russell lived in Canada and was in Missouri visiting relatives that October. When he saw Angela Hammond's missing posters, and had this sudden realization. Russell informed police that he had seen Angela in Canada in September 1991. He told Clinton police that he saw a woman matching Angela's description get into a green pickup truck that had a white top and sell her Canada outside of a drugstore. Also, Russell said that this truck had a mural on the rear window just as Angela had described to Rob on the phone that evening before she was abducted. Russell said he watched her get into the car and drive off, not knowing who she was. This was a lead that Clinton police were not gonna let slip away. So they contacted Canadian police and their authorities stopped and questioned local hospitals and baby stores in the area. Because if this was Angela, she could have had her baby at that point and police felt that if she was there, she would have visited a hospital, a doctor, something. But these searches and questions led to nothing. There were no leads to Angela's whereabouts. And the validity of this supposed sighting has been questioned. Canada is a long ways away from Missouri, and it's also possible that Russell saw someone who just looked like Angela. Being able to correctly identify and recognize someone that you saw briefly in a parking lot over a month ago is possible, but more unlikely. The popular show Unsolved Mysteries aired an episode on Angela's abduction, even reenacting the car chase scene for the episode. But sadly, this brought no new leads and eventually Angela's case went cold. It's just so devastating for Angela to give such detailed descriptions of her abductor and for Rob to see her abductor's car himself and for the case to still go cold. Marsha, Angela's mother, said that she believes and knows that Rob Schaefer blames himself. She said, quote, Rob blamed himself for it because he always told her he'd be there to take care of her and he tried. He did everything that could be done Nobody blames him, but I think he thinks that people blame him." End quote. 
Police always suspected that there was a serial killer on the loose in Missouri in this time period, but there had been little to no updates in Angela's case in decades. But then, on the 30th anniversary of Angela's abduction, new details were provided to the public. Clinton, Missouri Police Department posted on its Facebook page that they were still investigating Angela's case and looking for answers. And it came out that they have a new theory, a new lead that originates from the Lake of the Ozarks region. The Lake of the Ozarks is about an hour and 20 minutes away from Clinton, Missouri. And investigators claimed they're working on a theory that Angela was possibly mistaken for another woman who was being targeted in the aftermath of her father's legal affairs. Hang on tight because this case is taking a complete different turn here. It's now known that there was a big investigation in Missouri and a confidential informant's testimony in court was a key part of stopping a big illegal drug operation at the time. So this was a big case in Missouri and a big investigation and a lot of big names and key players in this drug operation were being outed. And police said that when the identity of that informant was revealed during the case, he got a chilling letter in the mail with the creepy cut and paste words. It looked like a ransom note from a kidnapping movie. And in the note, they threatened the life of his daughter. And can you guess her name? Yes, her name was Angela too. The informant's wife and his daughter, named Angela, were living in Clinton, Missouri at the time of Angela Hammond's abduction. The Facebook post had a copy of the odd letter with the wife's name and the confidential informant's number which were blacked out to protect their privacy. The eerie note read, quote, Hello, no, blank. We know who you are. No, blank. People like you deserve what you get. We know where your foxy daughter is at. She will see us soon. Tell, blank. She has our deepest sympathy in her further loss. Goodbye, blank. End quote. And get this. This letter was sent on April 4th, 1991, the very evening of Angela Hammond's abduction. Authorities believe due to their similar names and appearances, the two women were mixed up and Angela Hammond was mistakenly abducted. Officials believe a member or member of a criminal organization took the informant's daughter as payback and police said, a mistake was made as to the identity of the targeted Angie, who had some physical resemblance to Angela Hammond, resulting in Angela's abduction. As of April 2021, that theory is still being investigated. So this is a completely new angle, which would give police an entirely new perspective and hope to make an arrest in this case. This new theory blows my mind. Both of their names being Angela, both living in Clinton, the two women having similar appearances, and for that letter to be sent on the very day that Angela Hammond was abducted? Wow. That is one strong lead. Clinton Police Department also stated, Someone who wanted to remain anonymous called the police station and left a message about the Angela Hammond case. The Clinton, Missouri Police Department ended their Facebook post with this, quote, That person specifically mentioned two names. 
you did not provide a means for us to recontact you. If that person is reading this message, please recontact us so that we can speak with you in real time. We will protect your identity and assure your anonymity. End quote. So someone called the Clinton Police Department and left a message referencing two names connected to Angela's abduction. And police have reason to believe they know much more. So it appears that Angela Hammond's case isn't so cold. Though decades old, it's still being investigated, and it appears there's still individuals calling in with information. Which means there is hope that Angela's abductor can be caught and brought to justice. This case began with a phone call from a woman to her fiancé at a payphone, and could also end with a phone call from that person who knows exactly what happened and could solve the case. Until next episode, I'm Avery Ross, and this is Avery After Dark.